Well, good morning. I'm going to let these guys get on the stage. I told the first service, you know, I might be a little biased, but I happen to think that these students and the ones sitting over there and the ones that aren't here right now, we have the best students on the planet. And I am, I am very proud of them. Um, it was really cool. I also appreciate the fact that I get to serve in a church where after our first youth Sunday several months back, um, we got into team time that Monday and Fred looked at me and was like, uh, so when's the next one? Um, and so I, I just appreciate A, having a pastor that loves our students, that believes in them, um, that is willing to allow them opportunities like this to push them and to grow them. And I appreciate that I get to serve in a church that does the same thing. Um, we are ridiculously blessed to be here at First Baptist. Um, and God is just, he's so good. We got to start off with baptism today, y'all. Like, come on now. We got to watch five people profess their faith in Jesus Christ going from death to life. That's what we got to start off with today. Man, I want to start every service like that. I want us to be a church that is going to leave here today so excited about who Jesus is that we can't help but tell everybody. And we're going to have to keep the water and the baptism going like 24-7. We're just going to have to keep dropping chlorine tablets in it to keep it clean. Because we're just constantly baptizing people. Let's get excited about Jesus. How exciting was that? Can I say it again? Like, that was exciting. I don't have any other words. It was exciting. That's what, uh, man, it's a good day. It is a good day. Well, in, uh, one of the, the toughest things about a, a, a Sunday like this, when I get the opportunity to preach, usually it's only one Sunday. So I don't have you know, uh, uh, five or six weeks of a series to kind of build off of. And so, you know, you go, well, what in the world do you say? You got one Sunday. What, what, do, you, what do you talk to the church about? Do you, do you talk to just the students? Do you talk to everybody in the room? What do you do? And like I told the first service, first thing you do is pray. You seek God and you go, okay, God, what's... What's going on in the life of our church that, that we need some words about? And, and so as I got to thinking about this, um, it just so happens we're in the middle, not it just so happens, this is God, but we're in the middle of a series with our students where they're allowed to ask, not allowed to, you're always allowed to, but they've asked us questions. And we're teaching through those questions on Wednesday nights. And one of the questions that came up, happened to be the first one that we went through, was why do bad things happen to good people? And so that's kind of what we're going to look at today. If you're a note taker, I want you to write this statement down. Having an eternal outlook in life allows us to have joy in the midst of grief. Let me say that again. Having an eternal outlook in life allows us to have joy in the midst of grief. Now, 
For those of you that know me well, you will know that I love to read. I love reading. In fact, my mother's here today. She would tell you that she finally figured out that when I would get uh, in trouble and sent to my room, it really wasn't a punishment because I would just go to my bookshelf and I would grab books and I would just read. And so I love reading. Well, in the third grade, one of my teachers handed me a book. It was a very thick book for a third grader, really for anybody, entitled The Hobbit. And in this book, I was introduced to this character named Gandalf. Well, for those of you that are nerds like me and love reading, you know that The Hobbit is not the end of the story. And there's a, an entire trilogy that comes after The Hobbit. And so the story of this, this character named Gandalf continues in the next book called The Fellowship of the Ring. Now, I'm going to give a disclaimer here. I want to remind you all that nothing that happens in the, in the Lord of the Rings or in The Hobbit is real. Okay, so none of this is real. It's a metaphor, okay? So, way back in the day, there was this guy named Sauron, and he was a mean guy, and he had a lot of power because he had this one ring, okay? And then along comes this guy named Isildur, and there's this big war, and Isildur cuts off Sauron's hand, and the ring is lost eventually for a long time. Until one day, the ring falls into the hands of this little hobbit named Bilbo. And then Gandalf shows up at Bilbo's home, which apparently is in New Zealand, and they go on this adventure. And they slay dragons, and they defeat evil, and everything's good. Well, eventually, Bilbo passes the ring to his nephew, Frodo. And one day Frodo shows up, or sorry, one day Gandalf shows up to Frodo's house and he says, hey, this is all paraphrased by the way. Tolkien writes it a whole lot better than I'm saying it right now. But Gandalf shows up to Frodo's house and he says, hey, I've realized that the ring that you've been carrying, that Bilbo carried for so long, is that one all-powerful ring. And Frodo's like, all right, well, okay, what do we do? And so they go on this adventure. They form a fellowship, hence Fellowship of the Rings. And they go to destroy this ring. Well, our group finds themselves under this mountain in a place where the dwarves used to dwell. I want to remind you, this is not real. This is where the dwarves used to dwell, all right, in the mines of Moria, and they, they get into all sorts of fights here in, in the mines and their enemies closing in on them. And they keep defeating all these uh, goblins and orcs and all this crazy stuff. Did I tell you that this is not real? And so, there's one last bridge to cross. And our, our fellowship gets to it. And this massive, I just hate saying this word in church, this massive demon comes out of nowhere called a Balrog. And it lands on the bridge and it stands in between our fellowship and their escape. And so Gandalf steps up 
and he has his big staff. And if you've seen the movies, you've seen the famous scene where he slams it on the bridge. You shall not pass. And he does that a few times. And eventually the bridge breaks. And the Balrog falls. And I can remember my third grade self going, yes, we defeated a monster. But right at the very end, as the Balrog falls, his tail whips up grabs Gandalf's foot and pulls him down into the abyss. Third grade me was devastated because third grade me could not comprehend how such an important and seemingly good character could die so quickly in this story. That same curiosity of me, that same third grade kid grew up eventually and eventually it wasn't just stories where he saw bad things happening and like most of you I've experienced my fair share of grief and pain I've watched people pass away I've lost friends I've lost my father I've lost all my grandparents. I've seen people hurt. And I I think back to that my third grade self going, how in the world do these things happen to such seemingly good people? And so that's the question we're going to tackle today. Is why do bad things happen to good people? Brother Fred, as I was talking through this, I love what he told me. He said, you almost have to split that up into two questions. Why do bad things happen? And who are good people? If you'll turn with me in your Bible, we're going back to the beginning, book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to look to answer the question, why do bad things happen? This is right after Adam and Eve have been tempted by Satan. And they fell into temptation and they took the fruit. And then this is God's response to both Adam and Eve. So Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 16, it says this. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. And by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust. And to dust you shall return. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for this day. I thank you for the 
incredible start that we had to it in getting to watch five young people profess their faith publicly, God, to, to show the world that they have gone from death to life, from darkness to light. God, that is only made possible by you and who you are. And so I just thank you for that. Now, God, I pray as we dig into your word that you would just bless this time that we have together, God. That you would open our ears and our hearts that we would be ready to receive what you have for us. So, God, we love you. We praise you. And it's in your son's precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. So why do bad things happen? We see from the very beginning of Scripture that because of one simple thing, sin, evil and death enters the world. And so the consequence of Adam and Eve's actions in the garden was death. And so sin comes into this world and we see that every bit of creation is affected by this sin. It's not just me and it's not just you. We see it all around us. We see, we see these crazy things happening in, in, with the weather and we see volcanoes and we see all these plagues and all these things. And every bit of it is it because we live in a world that is broken and it has fallen because of sin. I, I wish I had some elaborate answer for you, but it's pretty simple. Bad things happen because we live in a world full of sin. And sometimes it doesn't make sense to us. Sometimes it doesn't seem fair to us. Because in our heads, we go, well, these people are good. Why are these things happening to them? And I, I remember sitting in the pews just about a week ago. And I was at Miss Jennifer Gibson's funeral. And you want to talk about somebody who you could call a good person. And I remember what Fred said as he was standing up here talking. He said, if you asked her, she would say, it's, it's not me that's good. It's my Savior shining through me. That's what's good about people. I am not good in and of myself. I am not righteous. I am not a good person apart from Christ. It is Christ dwelling in me. It was Christ dwelling in Miss Jennifer. That's where the good came from. So why do bad things happen to good people? Well, bad things happen because of sin. And the only reason we can be counted as good is because of Jesus. You know, Romans 3.23 puts it this way. Paul tells us this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, each one of us feels the effects of sin in some way. 
whether it's our own at some point or whether it is the sins of others, we all feel the effects of living, living in a fallen world. And so as we, as we walked through this with the youth last week, um, I was teaching high school and Roy was teaching middle school. Because um, in case you weren't aware, we have gotten to the point where we have had to split up middle school and high school. Um, which is incredible because our kids are falling in love with Jesus and they're telling their friends and people keep showing up and we need space. <laughs> and it's a good problem to have. And so Roy was going through this question with, with middle school. I was going through it with high school. And I know standing in that room, there were not a lot of dry eyes in the house. Because this is a, this is a question that whether you have actually asked it or not, you've thought about it. Because you look around and you see things happening and we wonder why. And, and it's tough sometimes. It is tough to see people hurting. It is tough to see people in pain, especially those that we love. And it's hard going through those things ourselves. And so I want to offer up these four things to remind us of how we get through or how we prepare to go through these things as believers. So the first thing is this. Bad things may happen to good people in this world, but this world is not the end. Bad things may happen to good people in this world, but this world is not the end. 2 Corinthians 4 says this, We do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. See, the good news is, for those of us who have trusted in Christ as our Lord and Savior, for those that have professed that faith, just like these five today, that means that this world, death in this world, is not the end. It is the beginning of life for us, an eternity with God. And I love what it says in these verses that for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. That means that the things that we go through here, the troubles that we face, God is preparing for us in heaven an eternal glory. It will take eternity for God to spill out all of his glory on us. That's who our God is. 
that it would take all of eternity to pour out his glory on us. And he is preparing those things for us as we face these trials in this life. And so for us as believers, we have to have that eternal perspective. Now, does that make going through things easy? No, it doesn't. It absolutely doesn't all the time. But I do know that if we have that eternal perspective, if we're prepared with that kind of outlook in life, going through things, it takes a little bit of that edge off because we know what comes next. We know the goodness and the glory that awaits us with God in heaven. Number two is this. Bad things happen to good people, but God uses those bad things for an ultimate, lasting good. Romans 8.28 says this. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I can remember... I've grown up in the church, and, and you hear this verse a lot in the midst of someone going through something tough. And I can remember sitting in some of the situations that I've found myself in, going, how in the world can this be working, can this be working out for my good? My good doesn't necessarily come in this life. My good, your good, is that your salvation is secured in Jesus Christ. And so having that, that eternal perspective, being able to, to look at situations and say, I don't know why this is happening. I may never know why this is happening. But God has my good on his mind. And he has my eternity planned out for me. And that is good enough. You know, I think of, I think of Joseph. And I think of all the craziness that he had to go through being thrown into a pit and, and left for dead by his brothers and then eventually being sold into slavery. And all these crazy things happen in his life. And eventually he gets to face his brothers again. And they're worried. And yet Joseph looks at him and says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Because Joseph had that eternal perspective. He looked at life not as his own, but God's. God had given him this life. He had given him these situations. He had put him through things and they were for his good, and they were for God's glory. And Joseph was going to sit in those situations, and he was going to praise God, because that is where God put him. And number three is this. Bad things happen to good people, but those bad things equip believers for deeper ministry. 
Bad things happen to good people, but those bad things equip believers for deeper ministry. 2 Corinthians 1, it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. I can't always give you an answer for why we face certain things. Why we have to watch loved ones die, why we have to be in the midst of a, a global pandemic, why, why things happen. But scripture tells us that sometimes we go through these things and we are equipped to be able to walk through those things with other people. The beautiful thing about God is, is that God doesn't waste our pain. There is no bit of pain that we experience that God wastes. And every bit of it that we experience, God is equipping us to walk with other people through those exact same things. You know, just in the, let me add up, just in the nine years since losing my father, I've been able to sit with others that have found themselves in similar situations. I've lost my best friend, freshman year of high school. I've been able to sit with people in similar situations. God doesn't waste our pain. Now, does that make it any easier that my dad doesn't get to sit here and watch me preach? No. But God's equipping us as we go through these things. He equips us to help each other, to edify each other, to build each other up as believers, to sit in the mud sometimes. Because that's what I wanted to do a lot of times when I went through those things. I just wanted to sit in the mud. I was done. And I had people come by my side, people that had gone through similar things that were equipped to help me. And that's what scripture tells us. That yeah, these things happen. But we're being equipped to share and ministry with other people. And then the fourth thing is this. Bad things happen to good people. And the worst things happen to the best person. Bad things happen to good people and the worst things happen to the best person. Remember at the beginning I said, none of us are good. I hate to break that to us. Grandma or mama might have told us that we were just the best thing ever. But the problem is, sin is still a thing. No, it is Jesus that is good. And it's that Jesus, the only good and truly righteous one. That's the one that took the punishment for us. That is the, he is the one 
that experience pain and suffering far beyond whatever we could imagine. First Peter 2 says this, For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return, and when he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He continued to entrust himself to God the Father. That's that's why there's any hope for any of us. Because of Jesus, the only righteous person, taking every bit of not just our punishment, but the very wrath of God the Father. Every single bit of it all at once so that one day we could stand and profess our faith in him to let his goodness shine through us. And so when we, when we find ourselves in these situations, think about Jesus. I want you to think about the fact that there is nothing you are experiencing right now that Jesus has not already experienced. There's no emotion. There's no situation. He's been betrayed by his closest friends. He's watched people he loves die. He has seen and been through every single thing that we could ever face. Our God is not a God who just sits far off and just watches from a distance. Our God is active and living amongst his people. That's how we face these trials. That's how we're able to to go through these things. Romans 5.8 says that, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, despite the sin in this world, Jesus still paved the way for us to have a relationship with God once again. And so I want to challenge you today, as the, as the band comes back up, and as, as we sing one more time, do you have that eternal perspective on life? Can you look at your situations and see and understand that God is working every bit of it for your good. He's equipping you to help others. That he's preparing for you his glory in heaven that is going to take eternity to give to you.
Are you prepared with that outlook in life? Third grade me, when I read The Fellowship of the Rings and Gandalf died, I didn't have that eternal perspective. And I thought Gandalf was done. No more. Dead. But I kept reading. The good news is Gandalf came back. And throughout the rest of the story, he pretty much saves the day, like, all the time. Well, guess what? Jesus rose again. Jesus is coming back. And as Abby read earlier, there's going to be a time when he comes back and he makes everything new. And he makes everything right again. And we get to live eternally with him. But there's no pain. There's no suffering. COVID-19 does not exist. Cancer is not a thing. Abuse doesn't happen. No, it is just us being wholly satisfied in our Savior and getting to praise Him forever. That's what we as believers get to look forward to. And so now as we enter into a time of invitation, you have a choice to make. This Savior that we've talked about today, do you know him? Do you know the, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God who is with us throughout the ages, that sits with us in the mud? Do you know that, God? There's going to be, I know I'll be down front. If you don't know that God, if you don't know Jesus, man, come talk to me. It happens to be my favorite thing to talk about. I love Jesus. It's all that has carried me through life. I don't know about you. But these stairs are open. If you need to pray, if you need to grab somebody and bring them down here and pray, go for it. Do what you need to do with God so that you have that eternal perspective.